everybody loves the touchdown. Goes to the back of the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. I'm executive producer Brian Griggs and a great SBR show in store for you today. This week's show has some big names we've had on in the past month or so and a classic SBR interview from a year or so back. In segment two, we kick it off with Brian's conversation with Rand Getlin of Yahoo Sports, talking all things NCAA. Very smart guy. Good interview there. Then in segment three, we have a classic SBR interview with none other than the commish of the NBA, David Stern, from back in 2010. Always a fun interview with Mr. Stern. Then in segment four, we wrap it up, Brian's conversation with Gary Stevenson. He's the brand new head of the Pac-12 Network. Lots of cool insight and information about the new upcoming Pac-12 network. So as you can see, a great best of coming your way next. A couple of other notes, you can download the podcast of this show and other SBR shows on our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Become a fan of us on Facebook and follow SBR on Twitter at SB Radio. Stick around. Rand Getlin of Yahoo Sports is coming up next as we kick off this best of sports business radio. This is the best of SBR. Back with more after this. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. I'm joined on the phone right now by one of my favorite reporters, Rand Gatlin of Yahoo Sports. Rand, how are you? Brian, I'm awesome. How are you, sir? Excellent. You're just the guy I wanted to bring on for this segment. I read a piece yesterday uh, by Dennis Dodd, CBSSports.com, and you know we've talked at length on and off the air about is the NCAA equipped to handle enforcement, or does it need to be handled by a third party? And in this piece, it sounds like a California-based organization is seeking to change the NCAA enforcement process. There's a meeting set up at the end of the month to have these discussions. Tell us more about this. You know, it's really interesting. What you've got is a newly formed organization called the College Athletics Protection Association. And the report was uh, from Dennis Dobbs of CBS Sportsline. What it said was uh, Kappa, 
and Rand Corporation were going to join up and uh, start delving into potential policy solutions to the problems that we're facing out there in college athletics these days. Well, it really piqued my interest. My background uh, previous to being involved in, in uh, sports journalism world was, was largely in politics and specifically in the think tank realm. And you just don't hear of sports-based think tanks that are actually looking to put forth policy proposals. Most people don't pay attention to uh, the policy-driven aspects of, of this stuff in the first place. So, you know, what, they, what they're doing, I actually just got off the phone with uh, one of the founders a few minutes ago uh, searching for a little bit more information. And what he said was he wants everyone to slow down on the notion that they're going to immediately begin lobbying Congress in order to uh, create this change. That said, he believes that the, that the policies and proposals that come out of CAPA in conjunction with RAND or any other advocacy group that they end up working with could ultimately lead to actionable items, things that could be put forth by a coalition to Congress, and those are the types of policy initiatives that they, that they will eventually be pushing. One of the few things that, uh, that he has discussed that they have on the table immediately that I think is amazing, and they should, they should definitely figure out a way to push this through you know, as soon as possible, is you take compliance out of the university's um, uh, purview. It's not something that they should be dealing with for very simple reasons. When you have a compliance officer and a compliance officer at a university, his job is, as Josh Lux has uh, almost famously stated now that, you know, they're a firefighter as opposed to uh, a police officer. They're not necessarily um, it, <laughs> internally, you and I have discussed this, they're not necessarily uh, given a green light to go out there and find all infractions and do away with them. Their job really is to make sure that if they do get in trouble, they get out of it quickly and uh, to make sure that, you know, they figure out a way to stay away from, from those things moving forward. But it's just not a very proactive role. So Kappa and, and Rand are set to put forth some policy proposals, from what I understand, that will say compliance should be something that's funded by a, uh, an objective third party. It shouldn't be something that the school conducts in-house, because what incentive is there for a compliance official who's getting paid by the athletic department to bust the athletic department? Really, it's common sense. It's amazing that it's taken this long for people to really open their eyes uh, to these situations. And I would argue further that you can apply the same principles to academics. Uh, each school, Oregon had one for sure, I think Oregon State does as well, has a sports-specific uh, advising uh, panel for the, for the kids, or, or I'm sorry, academic advising group for the kids. Well, the problem with that is their job is to keep the kids eligible right. to ensure that they're being provided with uh, an actual education. And so you hear story after story. There was a story that came out about North Carolina last week where Marvin Austin, uh, who got in a lot of trouble last year for flying to South Beach and those kinds of things, one of his first classes ever in college was a 400-level uh, African-American history class, uh, which, you know, perhaps he was just smart enough to, to be in 400-level classes when he first came to college. I certainly was not. Uh, he got a B-plus in that class in the following semester, he enrolled in a remedial writing class. Well, that sets off a red flag immediately um, because this African-American history class was also the class that a few other students got in trouble in for plagiarism. And what you know is that each school, um, you know, in, in the state of Oregon, I know of kind of what the programs are at the, at the various schools, but let's take sociology, for instance. Uh, it is a, a major that kids come to understand is easy to get through. That's the perception, at least. And what do you know? You go look at the rosters, and there's an abnormally uh, large percentage of the kids on, for instance, the Oregon football roster who are social majors. You know, coincidence? Perhaps. 
Probably not, though. And uh, and so anyway, Kappa and Rand. Rand usually deals with Department of Defense contracts and and, and things of that nature, governmental issues, and they're uh, one of the most established, well-respected think tanks in the world. Uh, they are now partnering to kind of attack college football issues, which, you know, anyone that's been paying attention in the last year, this is really a big deal. Um, I don't think that people really have wrapped their minds around it yet, but uh, Rand Corporation does not get involved in small issues, and uh, for them to even have their name attached to this at all, it's pretty fascinating. We're joined by Rand Gatlin of Yahoo Sports. You can read him online at yahoosports.com. You know, one of the things that really stuck out, stu- stood out to people last week is Paul D. was working as one of the people on the NCAA's Committee on Infractions, and he was part of the process with USC and handing out the penalties there. He was very vocal about how USC cheated, how they needed to be punished, and as we find out last week from you guys at Yahoo Sports, he was sitting at the head of one of the most corrupt athletic departments that we've ever seen at the University of Miami, and I think that's why Kappa and Rand and other organizations are like, this has to change. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair statement. I, you know, I wouldn't attribute it uh, solely to the work we're doing at Yahoo. Uh, there's been a lot of other people out there. Uh, Sports Illustrated did some stuff on Ohio State, and uh, you know, obviously, there's been a lot of follow-ups on the other stories we've been involved in. But uh, you know, I think it's, it's. I think you're right. I think we've reached a tipping point, uh, to use Malcolm Gladwell's expression, and we're at a point now in our in our sports world where people are saying, "Is this?" what it's going to be from here on out. For a year, we have not had a break from scandals, from North Carolina to Alabama to Florida to Georgia to Ohio State to Oregon and now to Miami, uh, with Miami being at least on scale, the number of people named the largest um, potential scandal here in, 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 you know, as far as I know, in the history of the NCAA, certainly since uh, Southern Methodist University. And, you know, I think people are starting to take a step back and saying, where is this going? What's going to happen to college athletics? Right now, I think that a lot of people feel like we're on a very slippery slope. And if we don't catch ourselves quickly, uh, we may continue down that slope. And, and who knows what college athletics will look like 10 years from now. Well, and as we've said many times, look, the NCAA is not equipped to catch the cheaters. Most of the time, the media is breaking the stories and then they go down that path to go, okay, let's get more uh, detail. Let's investigate this further. And then, like you've pointed out in this interview, it's almost a conflict of interest for the NCAA to be overseeing compliance. It needs to be done by a third party who can be those police and who has the staff to say, okay, there's wrongdoing going on. We're gonna, this is how we're going to handle it and punish instead of the NCAA doing that. That's not working. Right. You know, and, and, you know, let's take it a step further. I think from, from where I stand, I think that they, the NCAA, that is, uh, they've put themselves in an untenable position when it comes at least to uh, Division One basketball and Division One football. They're huge revenue-producing sports, and, and we've talked about this ad nauseum. You know, you're talking about trying to institute prohibition. There's a market. People are attempting to uh, operate within that market. And because they're not allowed to operate above board, they begin operating below board. Well, anyone who's watched Boardwalk Empire uh, and is familiar with uh, Nucky Thompson and all the sordid characters around him uh, will realize, because that's a slice of, of history, uh, all those fixed lines, you know, you can't stop this. It's impossible. There's no way to police a robust uh, multi-billion dollar market. 
is not going to happen. So really what you're trying to do at this point is play damage control and and do things incrementally where I, I don't think that's really going to hold up over time. However, having said that, I'm glad that they're they're trying something. And to outsource compliance is a first step because at least in in that regard, you assure yourself that you have an op- a, a entity operating uh, similar to the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission as opposed to you know in-house counsel for Enron, uh, who's helping them to cover these things up. You know, it's it's a much different dynamic. So certainly it'll it'll be more effective. But in the long run, I, I, I think the NCAA's model when it comes to basketball and football is fundamentally flawed, and I don't think that uh, policing it in a more uh, robust manner is going to do much to solve the underlying issues. But we'll see. Just a few minutes left with Rand Gatlin of Yahoo Sports. The other thing I think that has to change is the penalties have to be very, very severe. If you look at UConn in their basketball, if you look at Auburn with football, the cost of cheating has to be just devastating. So you think many, many times before you're going to cheat. So if you go to a university, if you go to the University of Miami and say, okay, we're fining you $20 million. And oh, by the way, any coach who is associated with this, you cannot be involved in NCAA college athletics for five years. We're taking your license to practice away from you. Oh, and by the way, any player that was involved with this, even even if you're in the NFL now, there's going to be a suspension of some sort. The problem I have, Rand, is the players that are playing now in many cases, for example, USC, Matt Barkley didn't do anything wrong, but he and his teammates are being penalized for what happened before him at USC. That's wrong. The penalties need to follow the people who did them. But then on top of that, if you find USC $20 million or Miami $20 million, it's going to get their attention. It's going to get the president president's attention and they're not going to stand for that anymore because that hits them right where it counts in the pocketbook yeah i mean i completely agree it's funny when you looked at a ohio state situation they said uh, they made a big deal of oh we gave back our share of the uh the sugar bowl money that we received i said yeah but what about all the apparel sales what about all of the other subsidiary benefits that came in the door as a result of that you know you're certainly not giving back the millions of dollars worth of uh bcs um, uh, Sugar Bowl game uh, gear back. So, you know, I, I agree with you. Yes, if you hit him in the pocket, and I think you can kind of you can kind of apply this principle to, to most things in the business world, uh, you know, if you hit him in the pocket, it's, it's going to teach him a lesson. But the NCAA is not prepared to do that. And, you know, they're still uh, swinging around the notion that, that these schools are suffering from a financial standpoint. And, you know, I've always said this, too. This is an important point. There may be a number of schools that are not breaking even or are not making money, but go in and examine their business practices. They're chartering private planes. They're throwing open bar parties consistently. They're buying a bunch of gear and giving it away. They're not efficiently run businesses. Why? Because Sounds like an NBA rarely, team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> very, rarely, very rarely are these, uh, are these uh, athletic departments run by successful business people. They're guys and girls who have come up through the ranks of the athletic departments that exist, and what they are is – uh, their athletic departments are very similar to uh, the banks that got bailed out in, in, in this way. Uh, it's, it's constant corporate welfare. If they were not given these huge subsidies by guys like Phil Knight and Key Boone Pickens and all of these other boosters, they'd be failing businesses. They'd have to shut their doors. They haven't figured out a way to become self-sustaining. Well, you know, that's a school-specific problem. It's not society's 
job to boost these programs up and uh, and shore up their shortcomings because they don't know how to run a profitable business. I think that's something that we need to kind of recognize at this point in time. It's time to start asking these universities to become a little bit more self-sustaining and do these things themselves. And the excuse that we're not breaking even, that's not enough. We need to dig into the business practices, especially at public schools, because the public has a stake in that as taxpayers, and figure out, are you efficiently spending your money? Are you actually pinching pennies, or are you spending money on outlandish stuff? And I bet you in more cases than not, you're going to see a lot of these schools spend money on outlandish stuff. It's not intelligent, and none of us out in the business world would say that's a smart expenditure on, on a lot of these things. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how this whole thing plays out. It's very fascinating. They just need to put us in charge, and we'll have it cleaned up in 12 months. That's what I keep telling them. Nobody's listening to me, though, Brian. I know. No one's listening to me either. All right, Rand Gatlin of Yahoo Sports. Follow him on Twitter at Rand underscore Gatlin, G-E-T-L-I-N. He's a great follow on Twitter. And, Rand, I appreciate you taking the time to join me. Brian, thanks for having me. This is SBR. Back with more after this. What time is it where you are? I'm missing more than anything. I'm back at home, you feel so far. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one on one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. He's been kind enough to join us here on Sports Business Radio before. It's been a while. Commissioner, thanks for taking the time to catch up. It is always a pleasure, Brian. So it's been another really exciting NBA season. The playoffs have been very competitive as well. What are some of the highlights for you from this past season? Well, I think the the fact that our as I've said before, our kids are playing like veterans, whether it's uh, Tyreek Evans or Kevin Durant and the young Oklahoma City Thunder, or Brandon Jennings or a whole slew of youngsters, and let's not forget that LeBron and and uh, uh, and Carmelo and D Wade and Chris Bosh are not old men. And then you have the, love, the lovely sight of these great future Hall of Famers like Steve Nash and Jason Kidd playing like kids. Uh, and it's fun. It's fun to see Milwaukee in the playoffs again, Charlotte in for the first time, Oklahoma City in for the first time. And then, of course, you've got the old standbys, which who are just, you know, the Lakers, can they repeat or not? Denver seeming to have it all together. Utah always there with Jerry Sloan. Dallas with that late trade that did so much for them. And San Antonio sort of sneaking up on everybody. And I'm just out west. I haven't even come east, really. And so 
it's uh, it's really a great great year for us and the playoffs are living up to the regular season. Well, and after the season is done, some marquee free agents on the market. So your league is sure to be a hot topic during the off season as well. That's got to help too, right? I guess I, 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 it was a hot topic during the season about the postseason. Right. So we'll see what happens if the postseason is as hot as it was during the regular season. I don't know how it could get any hotter. Yeah, I think it probably will, though. Hey, it's no secret we're in a tough economy. Uh, The competition for the disposable dollar, it's as competitive as ever. NBA games are readily available on TV. The popularity of watching sports on HD has increased. How do you make it more appealing for people to get off the couch and come to a game in person? Because, you know, that HD experience is, is pretty terrific as well. The HD Dolby surround is terrific, and when... 3D comes, it's going to be probably even better, but we view all of those as opportunities to educate our fans that there's nothing like being there, that the, you know, the place where 20,000 strangers come together for the communal purpose of rooting the home team to victory is a unique situation, and uh, even though it's going to be a world of widescreen television in every conceivable shape, form, or room, <laughs> we still think that the uh, the live game experience will prevail. And we try to make it as easy as it can. The uh, advent of paperless tickets, the ability to come in and ultimately order uh, from your seat uh, by virtue of your handheld device, the ability to use technology to make the building more entertaining, the entertainment itself, which is now a key component of our game, the restaurants, the shops, the entertainment districts. A night out is uh, always a good thing, and uh, a night out, which is really the surroundings for a great basketball game and entertainment experience, is even better. You know, your teams really rolled up their sleeves and put on their thinking caps this season to come up with some clever promotions and ways to get people to come to the arena, like you said. Is there a promotion that stuck out in your head that you said, you know, that was really cool? I'm not sure the adjective was cool, (laughs) but I know it got my attention when I heard that the Nets were preparing your income tax free if you came out that night. Yeah, I mean, that's great. Uh, That was pretty cool. Uh, using the word cool, uh, but uh, a lot of a lot of promotions and many of them designed to make the experience for a family uh, more moderately priced and get more fans into the stands. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. Commissioner Stern, uh, the NBA seems to be on the verge of accepting Russian billionaire Mikhail Progroff into the league as the owner. We've seen there's a Chinese group that has a piece of the Cleveland Cavaliers. You've done such a terrific job of making the NBA appealing on a global scale. How active are you and the people at the league in maybe trying to interest people like Mr. Progroff and people like the Chinese investors in investing in an NBA franchise? Well, the Chinese deal has not closed and been approved yet, but it's out there. And I guess what I would say is I met Mr. Prokhorov several years ago when I accompanied the Clippers to Moscow when they played and were beaten by his Seska Moscow team. So so for us, as we open up offices in 11 uh, 
uh, offices outside this this country, uh, we are, uh, you know, trying to attract great interest in our game abroad. And the next step is to attract great interest by international investors in our game here. And it's a continuing, ongoing uh, effort. We have taken meetings with uh, uh, with European potential investors, with uh, Middle Eastern potential investors, with Chinese, uh, with Russian, uh, with you know many. And we think that's a that's a very good thing. I would say, Brian, that the arguably one of the top two. Uh, sports leagues in the world, and uh, the two to me are the NFL and the EPL, which is the Euro- European Premier League. Which I'm sorry, the English Premier League, uh, which is soccer. Uh, you know, in that league, ten of the twenty teams are owned by non-English uh, investors. Do you see the day where you know I, I see that the you know Bobcats obviously just sold to Michael Jordan. The Warriors are up for sale. Uh, it looks like there may be an ownership change in New Orleans, but I know that's kind of an internal deal. Do you see the day where there's going to be more foreign ownership with the NBA teams? Absolutely. I think that as just as we have 83 international players, as more and more international players move into our prep school and collegiate uh, you know, system, so will more equity flow into the United States. Their international investors own, you know, city, have interest in Citicorp and Merrill Lynch and Saks Fifth Avenue and Barney's and you name it. Uh, I, don't, I can't even keep track. In fact, the biggest international investor in the United States, I think, is probably either Japan or China by virtue of holding U.S. Treasury bonds. We're with NBA Commissioner David Stern, and we've got just a few minutes left. Commissioner Stern, we've seen Tiger Woods and Ben Roethlisberger utilize poor judgment off the field of play. It's affected not only their personal brands, but the brands of their leagues and the brands of the companies who pay them as endorsers. How risky is it to align your brand with the brand of a star athlete? I know it's something that comes with the territory, but it seems to be more risky than ever. Well, I think that manufacturers, consumer products companies, are making judgments and what I would say are calculated risks with respect to individual players. In, in, in some measure, a safer hedging, if you would, is to make an investment with a league but we actually encourage our uh, marketing partners to invest with our players. And I think more stringent uh, contracts are being drafted so that companies don't get burned by poor experiences. No, I would totally agree with that. All right, last question for you. I know the current collective bargaining agreement expires in July of 2011. It's on everyone's mind, even though it's off in the distant future. Uh, How are the talks coming along? And if I ask you to put a percentage on getting something done before July of 2011, what percentage would you put on that? Well, I guess I would say we're exchanging information. We're busily trying to demonstrate every aspect of our financial situation. As I've said, I, we, we, we're prepared to argue with our players about what the numbers mean, but we don't want to argue about what the numbers are, and that's where we're heading. Um, and we just had a staff meeting, staff to staff, last week to make sure we get the numbers right. I guess I would say that I'm an optimist, but not a better, so I'm not going to put a number on it. 
So it sounds like the discussions are ongoing, and, and that's a healthy thing. They're early stage productive, but if they don't move into more productiveness, and if they, you know, don't uh, pick up a bit, I won't be as optimistic as I currently am. And I saw your end-of-the-season press conference. You said between 380 to $400 million in losses this season. Are those accurate numbers still? Yes. Wow. But, I mean, again, I think you guys have done a great job with uh, keeping attendance numbers and TV ratings, and, and the league seems to be uh, pretty darn healthy despite the economy. No, uh, our revenue production is not our issue. It's expenses. We're, we're very happy with the fact that we... Uh, you know, we're only down something close to one percent in the worst, one of the worst years in our, really the last fifty. Uh, our international prospects are terrific. Our digital prospects are very attractive, uh, and our game, which is at the heart of it all, is as exciting as ever. So we're really very happy with where we are, Brian. Well, Commissioner Stern, as always, I appreciate you taking the time to join us on Sports Business Radio. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter. Twitter.com slash SB Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to PumpkinRidge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We're going to go to the phone line right now. Gary Stevenson, the head of the Pac-12 Network, joins me now. Gary, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you today? I'm doing great. Congratulations on your new job. Well, thanks. It's uh, it's very exciting. What was the most appealing thing about this job? I mean, you're a guy, you've been in the industry 30 years. You've worked around the NBA, the Golf Channel. What drew you to this job? Well, very rarely do you have an opportunity to do something new. And uh, not only are we going to do one network, but we're going to do six regional networks. We're going to put together a digital network. And so, to me, at this point in my career, uh, I just thought it would be a lot of fun. You don't get a chance to do this much. What about the chance to work with Larry Scott? He's a real visionary. We'll talk about the digital part of this deal in a moment. But uh, everyone says great things about Larry Scott. Well, what Larry did, has done here in the last two years is really kind of transformative in college sports. Uh, I've known Larry a long time, and I watched what he did at the ATP Tour, uh, and then he went over to the WTA and and literally in two years kind of changed the mood of that tour, if you will. Uh, and he's done the same thing here. He just has a unique ability to come in and size up a situation, decide what's necessary, and then he has this ability to get everybody on board with him uh, to move forward. 
and very exciting. The other thing he's done here is, uh, if you take a look at some of the hires he has made, Kevin Weiberg, who is is the deputy commissioner, was the commissioner of the Big 12 uh, and knows college sports inside and out. Danette Layton was with the Sacramento Kings and was one of the rising stars in the NBA world. So he's putting together a world-class team, and you know I just hope I can paddle fast enough to stay up with him. So you've got 30-plus years of experience. You have stopped at the Golf Channel, the NBA, the PGA Tour. You've uh, led your own consulting firm on sport. What's your general philosophy with covering sports, broadcasting, and digitally? Well, you know, what, what I think is interesting about sports is no matter how many channels there are out there, no matter, no matter how many other messages consumers get, Sports is the one place where people stop and watch the game. You're right. So, so unlike, you know, eventually 10 years from now, any of the sitcoms that you like, you'll be able to watch at any point in, in the day. But if you are a Manchester United fan or if you're a University of Oregon fan and they're on at you know, Saturday afternoon at noon, uh, you have to pay attention. Now, our job is to make sure that if you're interested, you can get it in any medium that you want to get it. And that's part of what our job here is at Enterprises. If you want to watch it on the big screen, you can watch it on the big screen. If you want to watch it on your telephone, eventually you'll be able to watch it on your cell phone. Um, so that's part of what what we have to accomplish here in the next couple of years. We're joined by Gary Stevenson. He's the head of the new Pac-12 Broadcast and Digital Network. Let's talk about distribution for a moment. Many networks have started to, uh, you know, they're very ballyhooed, I guess, and this one is no different, but then they come out of the box with weak distribution. What's your distribution plan? Well, um, the beauty of the deal that Larry engineered here is that the day that we go on the air, we will have distribution with Cox, Comcast, and Time Warner, which uh, control the majority of the cable homes in the Pac-12 footprint. Uh, we still have a job to do to get distribution with satellite and some of the other cable carriers, but the fact that we have a distribution agreement with those Three cable companies uh, is a huge advantage for what we're trying to accomplish. And then you just talked about mobile access and, and digital access, and you know, Larry talked to me about how you're going to be able to watch this on your iPad. You just mentioned that people will be able to watch on their phone. ESPN and Fox are pretty strong in that area, but what do you ultimately see as far as you know, ten years down the road, people being able to consume your product? Our job is if you're a Pac-12 fan and you're interested in content. It's our job to get it to you however you however you want it. Second job is if you're a, if you're not a Pac-12 fan, our job is to expose you to some content and some stories and to some sports that you may not traditionally see, and hopefully convert you to be a Pac-12 fan. And the third thing is we have an affiliation and agreement with Fox and ESPN for years, and one of the most important jobs we have at Enterprises is to make sure those television networks are successful. So this isn't just about building audiences for uh, for our new networks and for our digital networks, but it's also about building audiences uh, for our television partners. When I had Larry on, he talked about the Pacific Rim 
and really making some inroads into Asia. Do you have any plans in the future to open up offices in Asia? Well, I don't know about, you know, I, I don't know the exact plans about whether we're going to open offices, et cetera. But what we do know is that there is a lot of interest, um, and quite frankly, a lot of alums from our universities that live in the Pacific Rim. And so uh, this is just not a West Coast endeavor for us. We, we believe a couple things. We believe that, that, that the, the, the level of competition in the, in the Pac-12 will be very attractive to people all over this country, not just the West Coast. And we believe that, that the, uh, the Pacific Rim will be, will be interested in our exact plan. We don't know, but I can tell you in our organizational structure, at some point we will have um, a group that is focused on international and, and new business areas. We know ESPN and Fox. Who are some of your other key strategic partners going to be? I mean, I've heard Larry talk about he's got great relationships with Apple and Google, and there's some really bright minds on this end of the country. Well, you know, one of the one of the attractive things about this enterprise for me is that I think we're going to have the ability because because we own the networks 100. percent We're going to have the ability to explore and forge new relationships and try new things from a distribution standpoint. And, you know, as, as you just mentioned, a lot of that is headquartered right there, right here in Silicon Valley. So uh, I, I can't imagine that uh, there will be a concept that we won't consider as it relates to our new media business. Just a few minutes left with Gary Stevenson, the new head of the Pac-12 Broadcast and Digital Network. So one of my favorite sports programs on TV has been HBO's Hard Knocks. I love the behind-the-scenes access. I like play-by-play, but I also like getting a taste of what goes on behind the curtain. Do you have any plans to maybe offer that up with some of the programs in the Pac-12? It's a great question. You know, and I, I admire that Hard Knocks show and program, and I also admire you know, what ESPN did with you know, 30 on 30, the uh, kind of in-depth look. Right. What's nice about what we can do, not only on our network, but on our regional networks, is we are going to have time to tell stories. Uh, There are great stories about uh, rivalries, for example, that just because there's just not enough time on the air, never get told. There are great human interest stories about athletes, not not just in football and basketball, but in women's sports and in soccer and in all the other sports that never get told. There are great stories about Hall of Famers and what they've done after their careers were over from different universities. Those stories never get told. We, we have the ability, uh, like I said, on the regionals, to really dig into those stories and tell those stories. And to me, that, that will be some of the most exciting programming. That's great. The other winners out of this deal, in my opinion, are the secondary sports, the women's sports, the Olympic sports, sports that really haven't gotten much exposure at all, but now you're going to be able to, to devote some time to them as well. Well, and those sports have really avid audiences. You know, I was involved in the launch of the WNBA when I was, when I was with the league, and you can't, it, it, I can't describe the passion that their fans had for that league. It was, it was almost like it was almost like a cause. It's kind of like, finally, I can see women's basketball, or finally, I can go to a women's basketball game, or finally, I can watch a women's basketball game on television. And the Pac-12 uh, really has the best Olympic sports. Uh, 
in the country. If you take a look at the number of championships won and 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 the quality of the programming, the ACC also has really good Olympic sports. But but those two conferences really dominate the Olympic sports scene, and giving exposure to those sports will be a top priority for us, particularly on some of the regional networks. So before I let you go, you said September 6th is your first day on the job. Walk me through you know, maybe a 6- to 12-month timeline of what you hope to accomplish after you are officially on the job. Well, the first thing, obviously, uh, is to, to find leaders for our respective business units. You know, we have to find a leader of our network. We have to find a leader of the digital networks. We have to find a, a leader to sell in our integrated sales packages. So that, I mean, I've kind of outlined four priorities. That's, that's one of the four. Second, and, and is to make sure that anything that we do is consistent with the brand that the PAC-12 stands for and that the university stands for. If you really think about it, the reason that this opportunity is here now is because that brand, the integrity of that brand, has been protected over the years. Uh, and it's our job to make sure that it remains protected, that the traditions are honored, and that it continues to build. And the Pac-12 around the country has a reputation as for greatness both on the field and off the field. And, and uh, you know, that's an important part of what we have to do, and we can't lose sight of that. Have you First thought about – I'm sorry, go ahead. Third thing is is we, we have to focus on the remaining distribution agreements uh, to make sure that, that we, we uh, anybody that wants to carry our programming, we put an agreement in place with them uh, that's satisfactory to both parties. And then the fourth thing, obviously, is the final location and build a facility. Yeah, and one of the things you guys have done that I talked to Larry Scott about is you, you're going to keep some really good games for your network. So that's going to make it more enticing, I would think, to people who may be interested in distributing your network. No doubt. I mean, when we started the Golf Channel, the only pro- live tournament programming we had was European PGA Golf and LPGA Golf. Uh, and it was, a, it was a tough pull until some PGA Tour and, and Champions Tour golf got on that we- network. The advantage we have is right from the beginning, we're going to have some of the premier programming from the, from the, from the conference. Final question. Uh, have you thought about any kind of an official rollout for the network, and when might that be? Uh, yeah. No. Uh, I mean, I think the official rollout will, will be next September. But other than that, uh, I can't tell you uh, much about it because I'm still trying to find a place to live. <laughs> so you're really trying to – I mean, this is like sucking water from a fire hose right now for you in a lot of regards, I bet. It is. But you know what? Honestly, if anybody that's involved with this enterprise complains about it, I want you to call and tell me because, like I said earlier – you know, you've said I've been around 30 years, and I have been around 30 years, and one of the things you learn is that when you have a fun opportunity, like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, you don't complain about it. So uh, you'll never hear me say, oh, this is stressful or whatever. Uh, I think it's terrific, and I think it's exciting for the Pac-12, and I think it's exciting for the schools, and hopefully, you know, the existing fans will like it, and and what we really hope is that we find some new new fans and expose them to uh, to our content. Oh, I'm sure you will. Gary Stevenson, the head of the new Pac-12 Network, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. I really appreciate it. 
I look forward to getting up there and saying hello in person. That'd be great. I look forward to that, too. Take care. You, too. That's Gary Stevenson from the Pac-12 Network. Great insight from him. This is SBR. Back with more after this. What time is it where you are? I'm missing more than anything. I'm back at home. You feel so far. Waiting for the phone to ring. upside down. I don't even want to be in this town. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series event which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. And welcome back. I hope you've enjoyed today's Best of SBR show, and thanks for listening. A reminder, you can download this show on demand via podcast at our website, sportsbusinessradio.com. You'll also see icons there to become our Facebook fan, and follow us on Twitter at S. B Radio. I also invite you to fill out a survey on the website. Let us know more about you and where you listen to SBR. Got a chance to win a segment of SBR to promote your business. So check that survey out at the website, sportsbusinessradio.com. Want to thank our show staff, Doug Zanger, Jared Meltzer, Josh Blanks, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris. And for Brian Berger, I'm Brian Griggs, back next week with a brand new episode of SBR. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next week on Sports Business Radio. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages, and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com.